been talking about coming to know God as Father. And, and just to recap quickly from last, last week's Sunday, I'm going to try not to the, do last week's message for half an hour, just quickly. <laughs> Matthew 5.43, it says, You have heard that it has been said, You shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father, so, which is in heaven. So when the Bible says uh, children, and he's speaking about children, and that you may be the children of your father, a child reveals his father. Where we spoke about it, Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the father. So when I watch the son, then I'm looking at the father. Then the father is being revealed to me. So now, so when Jesus says, you must do all these things so that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, then He's automatically telling you that when you love your enemies, you are being the children of your Father. And that means that your Father loves your enemies. So you can't... So when you come to understand God as Father, you must know that God, as Father, loves His enemies. Because we hate our enemies. We dislike our enemies. We wish that it would go with them as it is going with us. Or that God would do to them as they have done to us. But the Bible says that, that uh, your Father loves your enemies. See, I'm on Okay? And, and I told you last week, that's why, that's why uh, we can't understand when God prophesies to the people we dislike. Because you expecting God to give him a rebuke because you know what he did to you. But then yet, your father comes and gives him such a blessed word and you say, man, I can't understand why God is not sorting this brother out or sorting this sister out. Because we, we think that God hates his enemies or hates our enemies. But that is not how God is. The Father loves his enemies. And if you have done something to hurt, or let's say maybe you thought you hurt the Father, but your Father loves you, even if you swear at him, you can curse him and say, go to hell, I don't want to know this God. He still loves you. He still cares about you. He still wants to reach you. He still wants you to experience his kindness. Because it's his kindness that will bring you to repentance. Do you understand that? So you mustn't have a... God is not like us. He's not a man. Okay? Your father is not a man. You understand that? 
He is not like you and me. If someone does evil to us, then we wish. Yeah. You understand? If someone uh, uh, steals something from you, you say, yeah, I hope you lose it also. I hope somebody steals from you as well. Our father is not like that. That is not his uh, nature. He loves his enemies. Amen. So, we are talking about knowing God as Father. And I think it can be a challenge. And like I've been saying from the beginning, don't try to understand God as Father through Moses. Because you cannot understand God as Father through Moses because Moses never brought the revelation of Father. He only had the revelation that He is, I am that I am. But Jesus, the Son, came to reveal us to us the Father. Because only a son understands a father. A servant knows a master. But only a son has come to know a father. Why? Because he's been fathered. You understand? So you cannot look to Moses to explain to you who God is as Father. You know, Moses can tell you about God, but he cannot tell you about a God that is a Father. And that's what you've got to understand. You've got to come that revelation. But let's go to Matthew chapter 6. I don't want to dwell there today. I want to go to another place here. Matthew chapter 6. Let's read from verse 5. He said, When you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that you have, they have the reward. So if it, the, the issue is not praying in front of people, don't pray in front of people. That's not the issue. The issue is, your motive. If you are praying, if I stand here and I go, Kura Basha, Lord, I bless you, hallelujah, but it's all to impress you, then I have my reward. Then I have no reward from my Father. The issue is not praying in front of people. The issue is, do not pray to be seen of men. But rather, let your Father see your prayers. Okay, let Him hear. Verse 6, but you, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father which is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. Okay, to me, the closet has a different uh, a meaning for me. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to go into your room and be alone. It simply means, another meaning of it can be, you can go into your room and pray all alone. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> but it is more about when you are praying together. For example, when you were now praying in groups, were you worried about the next person hearing you? Were you worried about what they think when you are praying? Were you worried? Were you more thinking about them that you were able to concentrate on your father when you were praying? Because when you do... If you had that problem, you are not in your closet. Because in the closet means to shut people out. And here, I have to, 
the minute I can shut people out and completely focus and concentrate upon the Lord or the Father, then I sense the Lord. Then I begin to enter into His presence because I'm no longer concerned about what people think. I'm not worried about or how they're watching me and, and I'm, not, I'm not concerned about is my words right? Am I saying the right words when I pray? Oh, I hope it's, it's a good prayer, you know, and everybody can say amen to it. You understand? Concerned about those things. You haven't gone into your closet and shut the door. You need to go into your closet and shut the door. It means you need to shut people out. Take it, if you literally go into your room, you're not worried about who is thinking about you. Now you need to have that same type of way of praying when you are in with people. You're all understanding with me? Okay, so that's shutting the door. Now verse 7, But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Again, when you pray, don't use a lot of speaking for the same thing over and over. Doesn't mean you can't pray long. Okay? It just means when you're asking the Father for something, you, He says you don't think that because you are repeating it over and over and over that He's hearing that prayer. That's what the Word says. Uh, read it here. He says, uh, but when, verse 7, but when you pray, Use not vain repetitions as they even do, for they think that they shall be heard for them much speaking. Don't think that you are being heard because you are saying the same thing over and over and you're saying it a lot. You understand? For example, I, I, I shared with some of you, I said, I told, I told the Lord that this year He must give me wisdom. I want wisdom from Him. And I had the idea, why don't I spend a whole week of asking him every day when I pray, Father, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. Please, this year I want wisdom, Father. I want to know wisdom. Uh, explain wisdom to me. And I thought, let me do that for the whole week every day. But then a thought came to me, why must I do that? If I ask him, he's going to give it to me. So I said, Father, I asked for wisdom and it's finished. I know I'm going to get wisdom. And it was just a couple of days later, I didn't ask again, a couple of days later he started speaking to me about wisdom. You see, because it was not the repeating that gets the answer. But that is what we have to understand. And remember last week I told you that, that in, in the book of James where he says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, all, liberally. And he says, so he says, if you ask, He'll give. How many times did Jesus say, ask and he'll give? Seek, you shall find. Okay? You understand? So Jesus says it like it. Now, now he says later on, but if, but let him ask in faith, not wavering, not doubting, not uh, thinking, is the Father going to do this? I need a single eye. That's what it calls the eye that is single is full of light. The light comes from the eye. But my eye needs to be single. I can't split my, my, uh, my focus. In example, 
oh father i pray for you and then i say i wonder if he's going to do it he's not i'm worried about the the the, the problem the situation okay i uh, will we'll explain that verse later on if we get there uh, i don't think we'll get there today but when we'll get there because this whole chapter for me in chapter 6 is talking about prayer even if he's talking other stuff he's still helping you to understand how to pray now now what i want you to see is that is that then the next verse in the in James says if you waver he says the next verse do not think you shall receive and what did i say to you there is a difference between god giving and you receiving god can be giving but you'll never receive so when you don't receive you don't see the manifestation you don't you ask god um i need bread today i got no food but there's no bread and food that comes now you think that god doesn't want to give no he gave but you were unable to receive there's a huge difference okay i'm just saying again for everybody so if this phone if maggy asks jp give me your phone and i say okay now i stretch out my hand and i give but now maggy doubts she think how can you answer i just asked you didn't even think about it you just gave it You know then she starts saying I don't I see this. You see she's struggling to receive it because she doubts. So there's a difference. You ask God gives. But if you doubt you can't receive. So in between me giving and you taking there is an area called doubt, wavering. So if you haven't received it didn't mean I didn't give. It just means you couldn't receive because you were doubting me. Was jy met my? Was jy allemaal met my? I think the the good example I used last week is when I said about Mona, the house. Mona, I bought your house for 3 million. Now obviously. Now, now you all clicking. Waar gaan JP vir huis koop vir 3 miljoen? Hy het self dan ookie as 'n huisie. Hoe moet hy nou dan vir haar 'n huis koop vir 3 miljoen? And she just like you is going to say, "No. No ways, it's impossible." Yeah. And I say but I did. I got the key. I say I go yeah I say Mona I got the keys. This is your house. Yes the papers. You look at the papers. Kan nie waar wees hier. Kan nie waar wees hier. Ek sê wat dit goed man. Hy sê nou it can't be true. JP you stop playing games on me. Sam met watse lawyer jy gepraat. Who you playing games with? Met wie jy gesels? To make stop playing this joke upon me. You see I'm giving. I'm saying yeah take it take it. But she's saying she can't receive it because in between giving me giving and she receiving there's an area called doubt. Now we think that if we haven't received now we think that God is not giving. You see you need to repent. You need to change your mind concerning God. You need to change the way you think about God. Do you understand? You see what I'm saying? Wait, fra. Oh, senior. You understand? You understand? That's what I'm telling to tell you. You need to have a single eye. You can't. You need to have one focus. He's coming through. I asked him. He's going to give it. It's going to happen. There's nothing in me that's saying no. I wish. That's why James says, because he that is double-minded. You see, so I can't say God, you give. Oh no, I won't get. Oh, look, how's it going to happen? 
you see double minded double minded means two spirited double minded is I don't even need to explain that to you double minded okay so that's the that's the way you got to understand that's why Jesus said uh, Jesus said don't doubt don't doubt okay and he's trying to show you how uh, faithful is the father how um, how sure the father's heart is trying to reveal that to you okay so you're gonna need to understand that that's why I, I gave you also my testimony where I said um, there's things that are going off in my on my account and the money wasn't there and uh, and like I said if it's two three weeks before the time yeah it's not cool they can slap. It's easy two, three weeks before the time to believe God is coming through. But when it comes to, let's say it must happen Friday, by Wednesday, it has money hasn't come. You see, look in the account, there's nothing. You know stuff is going off. You're saying, oh my Lord, how? How is this? By the time it's Friday morning, you wake up, you look at it, nothing. So, you see, now you've been trusting God. You've been cool the whole time. You've had your joy, your peace. Friday morning. Ah, oh, Father. Now, now, now comes the doubt. Now I want to change my prayer. Now I want to say, oh, Father, why are you not coming through for me? And, and then there's a, a, a struggle with getting depressed. You feel the oppression. You feel the burden that you're not supposed to carry. You are heavy laden. But Jesus says, don't carry that burden. Your burden that you must have is your calling. Uh, cast all your cares or your burdens upon me. Now remember, the Father takes responsibility for you. And so you've got to hand over the responsibility to the Father so that you can no longer worry about these things, but totally concentrate upon what you are called to do from the Father. Now, so, and then I wanted to, uh, because again, my, my biggest challenge that, that I'm having now is how to pray. How must I pray? Because if, I, if you watch Jesus, show me where Jesus is. Okay, there's probably one or two, but does Jesus pray for his needs? You go read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Okay, I haven't gone to check it, but I mean, I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John so many times. I just can't remember or think of a place where Jesus asks his father for the bread, the food that he wants, or for somebody else's problem. Yeah, yeah you guys are all with me. Now, the challenge is, how do I pray? Because now I have a need, but now I'm already, uh, I'm already learning that my Father already knows what I have need of. And the word know, let's just read the, that verse quickly so that we're all on the same page. Verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask Him. So the word know in the Greek means he's aware of your problems. He's aware of your needs. And he's aware of it before you ask. 
So in other words, before you encounter the problem, God already has foreknowledge about your problem that you will encounter in the future. He knows what you are going to struggle with. Amen. For example, Michael and Patricia, they are already preparing for the day their children are going to university. Their children don't even know they're going to university, but he knows what they're going to have need of before the day arrives when they say they want to go to university. So he's already, he's aware, he knows. And so he's aware and he's doing something about it already. Now if a natural man can do that, how much more your father? How much more your father who is in heaven, who is supernatural, who is omnipresent all over the place, omnipotent, all-powerful, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or even ask. How much is he more aware of what you are going to need in the future that he is already making plans for it? You see, that's why Jesus, Jesus is trying to get you to understand the father. He's trying to get you to understand how the Father operates, who the Father is, how steadfast, how faithful the Father is. So now my, my question is, it's Friday morning. The thing is going to go off. Any, any, any bank? Alles is starig. Alles vannig om jou te beel. And this geld die. And I'm thinking, Lord, these people are going to follow me today. Father, they're going to phone me today. Because in the, in the past, they did phone me. But that's not because, that's because, uh, for example, the medical aid took 6,000 rand off my account. They made a mistake. You know, and obviously, anyway, they paid it back and all that stuff. And they phoned me and said, yeah, you're, you're in the minus here. I said, I don't know about that. There should be money there. What's the problem? No, they say 6,000. I said, what? No ways, man. And anyway, I sorted it out. But you see, they're quick to call you. I was not that day, to let it seem, they called you. And I thought, Father, these people are going to phone me. Father, the reputation. I'm a believer. I'm a saint. I can't have the standard. If I still want to tell them about you, they say, ah, you Christians. The people's mentality of believers. And I wanted to, and I, and I didn't know how to pray, and I wanted to complain. And I wanted to take my needs to the Father. But then I thought, no man, a thought came to me, why don't you ask the Son? So I said, okay, Jesus, you are the exact representation of how to walk with the Father. You are the way, you are the prototype, you are the example of what a son should live like. How, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And a thought came to me, a thought came to me, just stick to what you believe. Stick to what you believe. So, and I said, okay. And though I didn't complain, I didn't go to the Father and murmur, I just said, Father, you are faithful. No double-mindedness. No. You are faithful. You will come through. 
You have already provided the answer. You have already provided the answer. And as sure as our father knows things beforehand, he knew the bank would never call me. Because they never called me that day. But the next day it was there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, this is, you know, this is to stay solid in your mind. To walk as a son and to know that Jesus does not doubt that his father is going to do it. He knows his father is going to do it. Amen? You guys are all with me. Now, let's go on here. So, in verse 8, if your father knows what you have need of before you ask him, that tells you, that tells you, and your father is already doing something about your problem. That tells you now, Jesus says in verse 9, now he's going to teach them how to pray. After this manner, therefore, why therefore? Because of what he said before. He said, pray like this. Our Father. He starts with our Father. And what did we say about our Father? Our Father means I must bring others with me to my Father in prayer. I can't have me, myself, and I praise when I want to come to the Father. Obviously, God understands where you are with Him. But the ultimate is that the Father wants you to come with others in prayer to Him. He wants you to pray for others and not just for yourself. But if you know that the Father has taken responsibility for your needs, if you know that your Father has taken responsibility for, for you, to take care of you, then you must automatically are aware that I don't need to pray for myself. Because I know that the Father will take care of me. I know that He has taken responsibility for me. So now when I pray, our Father, immediately in my mind, immediately in my mind, something must go off. Father, okay, He's taking care of my needs. <laughs> you understand? Father, the minute I say, Father, I must know He knows my needs. He's aware of my needs. He's doing something about my needs. Okay, so now I say, okay, Father, okay, you have taken care of my needs. Father, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. I pray for these things. The next verse will say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now you have got Father-centeredness. I know He's taking care of me. And he won't fail me. He won't let me down. Therefore, I can pray about his kingdom, not my kingdom, his kingdom. And I can pray concerning his will and what he wants done. Because the father takes responsibility. Now, if we are orphans, if you are a son in your spirit, but in your soul, you, you, uh, you were baptized often. I mean, the world baptized you in orphanness. I don't know if there's such a word, but you know what I mean. It, the world taught you how to be an orphan. 
Because maybe you didn't get it in your home or maybe you don't have it right now in your home that there is a father who's taking responsibility for you. So what does a son do? A son takes responsibility for his own life. Oh, sorry, an orphan. An orphan is worried about his future. An orphan is concerned about his daily needs. An orphan, he has to watch for himself. He has to protect himself because there's no one to protect him. A father protects his children. So God will protect you. That's why in another verse in the book of Psalms says, He's the defender. Our father is a defender. He's a father to the fatherless. So therefore, you must come like Moses when you're standing in the Red Sea, in front of the Red Sea. He will say to Moses, stand still because I want to be your father and see the salvation that I bring for you. You see, he says, I want to be the one that delivers. That's why I am called the deliverer. That's why I am the redeemer. Because I want to be the one that comes through for you, that you may give me the glory. He says, Rupam aan in die dag van benauwte. En hy sal jou eet, ja. Ek sê my Afrikaans, want hy klink lekker. An Afrikaans. You understand? Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall give me He wants the praise. Except you become like a little child. You shall not enter the kingdom of... That doesn't mean you are not saved. It simply means you will not enter into kingdom life or experience. Because you have not learned how to trust in Him. You have not learned how to give it over to Him. To become a child. To become a child is to let your father take care of you because you know you're so small. There's things you can't do for yourself. Someone else has to do it for you. This is father-focused. An orphan is so concerned about himself because there's no one who's concerned about him. He has to worry about himself because no one is worried about him there's no father to take care of him there's no father to advise him there's no father to be there for him he has to do these things himself therefore he is me myself and I focused that's why when he prays he doesn't say our father he said my father He is therefore concentrated upon himself. His prayers are dominated with himself and his needs. It is so dominated by these things, by the stuff he needs, the stuff he wants, the place where he's going. This is, this is to come to understand God as Father, but I'm telling you it's not enough just to have the information that I'm giving you the revelation can just become information and not become a revelation to you that you live it right so there, there, there is someone that takes now Afrikaans he vat verantwoordelijkheid vir jou he takes responsibility our father now how do you know you're an orphan 
How much do you pray for yourself? Always. How much do you pray about your needs? Often. That's why I say I have a problem. Not with you. With myself in prayer. Man, how must I pray? Yeah, you see? <laughs> you understand? How, how, but the son, the one who comes to know that he's a son, the one who has received the revelation, I am a son. Okay? Don't worry if you're a woman, you're a son in the spirit. Okay? Well, I'll say daughter for you. Just so you can click it easier. Because I don't want to explain, go into explaining that now. You, were, you know you're a daughter. You know you're a son. You got that revelation. You know the father takes care. When you, when you become a son, now listen, you are already a son. You are already a son. Legally, in your spirit, you are a son. Mayodenka, you think like an orphan. You think like an orphan. And when you, when you start to know that God is your father, and you start to understand these things, then you understand, then you have peace, joy. I told you, I, I watch my children. They play like there's nothing wrong. They don't know that there's nothing in the account. But that's daddy's responsibility. It's his concern. It's not mine. They can enjoy life. Can't sleep at night because you're concerned about something that's not your responsibility. Yeah, yeah, you guys are all with me. You, you have learned how to give it over to the Father. Now remember, I said to you, that doesn't mean leave your work in. You know, stuff. I'm, I'm saying when you get the opportunity to practice this, do it. And you know what you have to be willing to do? You have to be willing to go through the, the experience of oppression and depression. Because you have to get a solid mind. You have to come to the. You want to get depressed, but you have to say, hey, he's, he's coming through. He's my father. I have to stand solid. I have to get single eye. I have to get single in my focus. There's only one focus that I have Father. There's only one focus I have is Father. Thy will, thy kingdom. It's not my problems. Because now when I, when I turn my eye, my mind, my understanding, the eyes of your understanding, when I turn my mind and these things to my problem, darkness enters in. Oppression enters in. These things begin to bother me. But I must have a single eye upon the father of lights. He's called the father of lights. The light 
that comes from the eye single it's just the father he will come through for me i have come to know that he's faithful i have come to know that he's sure he's more solid than a rock he's the same yesterday today and forever he doesn't change if he said i will not leave you nor forsake you i feel like he's somewhere where is he but i know he hasn't left me i am steadfast in my mind i stand fast in the truth i stand and I will my, I will my grip and say, ah, no. Cut the orphan out of you. Baptize yourself into the mentality of a thinking. When I say baptize, it says, sit in you, thy mind from the sun. I'm telling you, God has not failed you. You have failed to believe him. You have doubted him. He has not failed you. He has not let you down. You need to go and praise him and tell him, You are my father. You will come through for me. You have already knew my problem. You are sure, steadfast. You are well able to perform your word. A son. A son. He has not failed you. He has not let you down. I wanted to say, yeah, father. I woke up, I expected that money to be in. But I wasn't there. Okay, there's... I have lots of testimonies of how the Father comes through for me. Those are just one of the things. But you, you understand, you need to stay single. Uh, let me go to a scripture here. Go to, with me to Revelations. We'll come back to Matthew now. Like, um, Revelations chapter 14. Revelations chapter 14. Revelations chapter 14. We read uh, verse 1. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. Now, a lamb. Now please, if he's talking about a lamb, we know he's already using figures of speech. What's that in Afrikaans? Figures of speech, Afrikaans? Svagirlik. Okay. Because if you read Paul's letter, you wouldn't say a lamb, you would say Jesus Christ. But he say a lamb. So please, we can't take these things literally. We have to understand the, the message he's trying to communicate. A lamb. Can a lamb defend itself? Can't defend itself. It needs a shepherd. That defends him. Okay? You see the, the message. The message that um, you must have that nature. But anyway, that's not the focus here. And with him, 144,000. So, this is figures of speech. Don't think literal 144,000 like Jehovah's. Because it's figures of speech. 
Why would God want 12 apostles and not 11? In Acts chapter 1, Judas is hanged. Not in Acts chapter 1 or somewhere there, but he's hanged. He hanged himself. He hanged himself, right? He hanged himself. Now there's only 11 apostles. Now we already know apostles is foundation. But why 12? Because 12 must be a number that is symbolic of something. Foundation, government, order. 12 hours in a day. Do you understand? He's trying to give you a, 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 a communicate to you something. Okay, but I'm not going to try and tell you that because that's not my focus now. But he says, these 144,000 have his father's name written in their foreheads. In, not on. <laughs> have his father's name. Foreheads. It's all symbolical language. Forehead. Don't think here. Think mind. The way they think is father. Because the father has been so, uh, the word written there, it means to engrave. The father's mentality, father focus has been so driven into the mind that it's there. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you, there, there needs, you need to have such a father awareness. Such awareness that there is a father that takes care. That there is a father that will come through. That, that when uh, needs come, father comes through because the mind has been so engraved concerning the father. That when you think father, you automatically, he knows, he's taking care, he's already done it, he's coming through, he's faithful, my father knows my needs, he feeds me, he takes care of me, he'll clothe me, he'll provide for, you see, father, father, I understand what father is, I am, it's written on my forehead, because everybody talks about the number of the beast, triple six, triple six, triple six, no one talks about the name of the Father that must be written on your foreheads. Because the, the triple six is in Revelation 13. They talk about, well, how did you go and buy and sell that triple six? Obviously, you've been so trained in that system that you don't know other system to operate in. That you only buy and sell because you're so baptized, indoctrinated by the world on that system that you can't find another system but if you're going to escape that system you have to have another name written upon your forehead and that name is father you understand that name is father okay yeah so everybody talks about triple six but no one talks about in the next chapter he automatically the father on your forehead either you have triple six it didn't say Jesus on your forehead. It said either you have triple six. They always talk in the movies. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. But it, this one says, no, Father. It didn't say Jesus. Father. But in the movies, 
They'll say, do you deny Jesus? Do you deny Jesus? You know, please don't watch those movies. So, you understand? Now, again, that doesn't mean... Um, again, like I said, you have to leave your job and those type of things. Please, I'm not expecting you to do that. I'm just showing you, I'm trying to reveal to you the Father. I'm trying to show you that if you develop this mentality, you, you can build yourself into a place that even if you lose stuff, that's okay, that wasn't my source. I have a Father who is in heaven. He's my source. Even if those things fall away, even if those things go away, the Father has always been the source because He used the job to give it to me. He used other things. That was just the channel, the vessel. But the real source behind it is Father. You understand? That mentality. It's talking, we're talking about aligning. Just change your focus a little bit. Just change it a little bit and realize it's not the job that's the source. It's the Father. The Father can use the ravens to feed you. It's not the raven. It's who sent the raven. If the river, because Elijah, Elijah went, when he prophesied no rain, he went to a river, and the river fed him. Now she, but when, and he could have developed the mentality, if I stay by this river, this river is going to take care of me. But he knew that God was the one that was taking care of him. So when the river dried up, and the father said, move, he moved. Then he came to a widow, and the widow then took care, and the widow didn't even know that she was going to be used by God. God said, there's a widow that's going to take care of you. When he came there, the widow didn't even know. Yeah, and it was a last. But you understand, uh, for, for Elijah, it was God is my father. He takes care of me. Yeah, You see, it's just, what we're trying to do is just, uh, just get your focus right. Know who is your source. Develop a trust in the Father. Amen. Let's go back. I won't go more into that chapter. Nice. For Okay, Revelation, ach, not Revelation, Matthew chapter 6 again. Matthew chapter 6. Yes. Yes. Matthew chapter 6 verse okay verse uh, 9 after this manner therefore pray you our father which art in heaven now I want to show you that other people prayed also like it go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16 our father what is our father you're praying for other people you always bring others in prayer Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16 Someone that's praying to the Father. Ephesians 1.16. Watch what it says. I cease not to give thanks for you. Making mention of you in my praise. You see here, 
Look what Paul says. I'm bringing you to the Father in prayer. So the word mentioned to remind, bring in remembrance. Let's go to Philippians 1, 3 and 4. Just watch. You see, so Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making requests with joy. See, see Paul's mind. Paul understood prayer. He knew when I pray to the Father, bring others in prayer. So he says, every prayer I make sure that I bring you in remembrance to the Father. I mention you to him. I talk about him, about you to him. I remind him for you. And I think that's probably why he would say, he would say, uh, in, in, if you read on in verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first until now, being confident of this very thing that he, why? Because he's praying for you. <laughs> he's confident because he's praying for you. He's got you. Your name there in the Father's, in the Father's throne. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3. That's just the next. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3. Watch what he says. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. You see, our Father, praying for others. This makes us other-centered and it helps us to stop being focused just on yourself. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. That's just in the next book. Verse, chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. The word mention means to remind. So what does Paul say? If you're going to pray, remember others in prayer. That's what Jesus said. So when you pray, say, Our Father. If you go read John 17, what does he say? Father, I pray for them that they would be one. That we, them, they, he goes on. I pray for those that would believe in their word. That they would be sanctified by their word. And I pray for them that they would be one. Even as we are one. You read it. He's talking about them and they and the. You, how many times does the word them, they, and we come up in John chapter 17? Because a son is not so much worried about himself. He's got others. He's mentioning others to the Father. He's reminding others to the Father. We're talking about developing the mind of a son. We're talking about you standing in your sonship. We talk, you are a son, but unless you develop the mind of a son, you will not have that, you will not stand as a son. You will think like an orphan. So uh, let's go to if, uh, Ephesians again, chapter 3, verse... Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. 
For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. If there's a father, there's a family. The word for family in the Greek is patria, which comes from pater, father. The Greek word for father is pater, and the Greek word for family is patria. Patria comes from pater, father. So a father produces a family. A father then becomes uh, responsible for, for the family. You, you understand what I'm saying? Um, so when we talk about father, we're talking about we are brothers, we are sisters, uh, we are family. And, and this is why, this is why you've always got to understand, you've got to understand it like this. If your natural father has failed you, you've got to know that he was only meant to be a channel, not the source. Because the your father is the real source. That means if my natural father has failed, that's okay. I can still, when I come to get to know the father, I can receive the things that I never received. Because your father, natural father, may have also come out of a broken home. He doesn't know. He was fathered by the devil through that man. You see, the devil used your natural father to beat you up. You got to release your father. You got to forgive him. Because you got to look past him and realize that the devil is fathering that man. Because that man doesn't know any other father. He doesn't know someone who can take care of him. He doesn't know what it is like. Maybe he was beaten in his home, kicked, whooped, taken by the throat. I remember when I one day my father took me like he went, lifted me up like as I was a little boy. Because he was so upset. Kicked me also one time. But he didn't know. Because when I, when I listen to his history, then I see, though he has the title of father, he doesn't know what it's like to father. Because he's never been fathered. The devil stepped in and used him to beat you, to molest you, to rape you, to say things about you. But it's okay, there is a father that can come through for you. His name is God the Father. He's a father to the fatherless, says the word. Therefore, you must say like Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive him, because he knows not what he's doing. 
He doesn't understand. Forgive him, Father. He doesn't know what it's like to have a father. You're, you're saying, you got to forgive. You got to release that man. Because that man doesn't understand. You've got to say like Jesus, Father, forgive him. Jesus says, forgive others their trespasses. We forgive others their trespasses as you forgive us. We expect the Father to forgive us, but we want to hold the grudge against our own natural fathers or mothers. You've got to look beyond the people. Do you see all with me? Go to the source. Say, okay, you're not fathering, but it's okay. You are only meant to be a channel. I'll go to the source. God the Father. God the Father. You need to forgive that father. That man, you need to forgive him. Now, this is why the, the Lord is bringing the church back to father-son order. Because a family comes from a father. Patria, family. And uh, I wrote a few things here about a father. A father means originator. The person who creates or initiates anything. That means that whatever you do, it must be born of God. He's the originator. He's the beginning of anything. That's why Jesus was so father-centered. Because the father must be the originator of what he's doing. A son will be so concerned about the father's will. An orphan is so concerned about his will, his desires. He cannot be a man after God's own heart. So how do you know you still got an orphan mind? You're so heavily centered around your desires. Unless, obviously, those desires that you have in you is from the Lord, and you also have those desires. You're, you're all understanding what I'm saying. That doesn't mean every desire, because the Bible also says God is all the while at work within us, creating the desire to come in agreement with His will. You see, so not every desire you have is, is from your flesh. Okay? And there's some things you want. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with wanting them. If I want to buy myself a tennis racket because I feel like playing, fine, I'll buy myself a tennis racket. You understand what I'm saying? But when I am coming to do things for God, I've got to make sure that He is the father of that thing. First time I die. Sheila met me. Okay? Father also means someone who passes on what he has 
to his children or to his family. Abraham, are you not called the children of Abraham? And the Bible says you walk in the faith of the father Abraham. So Abraham has transferred to you his thinking, his ways concerning faith. He shows you how to walk in the faith. He has become your father. Do you understand? A father, therefore, uh, he gives to his children the things that he has received. Does it all make sense? It may, now that's why I give you Abraham is as an example. That's why your heavenly father wants to transfer you to his way of thinking. Calls it the mind of Christ. A father also is someone who pours his spirit into others. That's why the father gives you his spirit. Because he pours his spirit into you. Galatians chapter 4. Therefore, because you are a son, God has given you the spirit of his son. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And what is the purpose of that spirit? So that we are able to develop the mentality of a son. It's the spirit of his son. The spirit of Elijah. Meaning is on Elisha. So it means that Elisha will function like Elijah in the prophetic ministry. So if he gives you the spirit of his son, he's saying, I want you to function like a son. I want you to think like a son. I want you to operate like a son. I want you to speak like a son. I want you when you do something, do it as if you are a son. Because you are a son. So he did not just call you son. He also gave you the spirit of a son. So that you could develop that mind. Uh, Romans 8 verse 15. We have received the spirit of adoption. That means we have a spirit within us. That is seeking to bring us to a place that we stand as a son. You understand? You're all with me? That you think like a son. That you operate like a son. That you know that God is your father. Um, let's go back to Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. So, you, by now you're coming to the understanding that God wants you to be to go to the Father in prayer. It's not wrong if you pray to Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus wants you to go to the Father. He wants you to come to that understanding. Matthew 6 verse 9 again. He says, when you pray, say, our Father. Jesus didn't say, come to me in prayer. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to Jesus. If that's where you are, then it's fine. But the Father would love for you to come into a relationship with Him. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father. He's saying, go to the Father. Go there. And that's what we'll see also in John. We go, I'm going to give you now scriptures. Because I want you to read it. John 
chapter 15, verse 16. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whoso or whatsoever you shall ask me in my name, he may give it to you. Is that what the verse says? It says, whatever you will ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Look what Jesus says to his disciples. Go pray to the Father. Go and ask the Father. Speak to the Father. John chapter 16 from verse 22. And you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man will take from you. In that day you shall ask me nothing. Do you see that? You're asking, we're asking Jesus. It's not wrong to ask Jesus. Please don't go home and have a battle. Oh, I can't even Jesus now. It's funny. You've been asking him the whole time. And you got some of the stuff you've been asking. So don't worry. Be happy. Hakuna matata. Let's say. Okay. Yeah. Okay, are you ready? Now listen. You, Jesus said, you will ask me nothing. That's a belief. Don't go home with a mind problem today. I'm not saying you can't ask Jesus. You've been asking him the whole time. But he would love for you to go to the Father. You will ask me nothing. Verse 23. Very, very, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father. Did he not say when you pray, say our Father. You shall ask me nothing in my name. And he will give it you. Verse 24. Hitherto or until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask you shall receive that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time comes when I shall no more speak to you in Proverbs or in Mysteries. But I shall show you plainly of the Father. That means the disciples could not understand the Father properly before Jesus went to the cross. But after he went to the cross, he says, now you will understand the Father plainly, easy. Do you, listen, Jesus could not say what Paul was saying. Have you thought about that? Because Jesus didn't go to the cross yet. Jesus said in John chapter 14, there are some things that I want to say to you, but it's too hard for you. But I'll go and I'll send you the Holy Spirit and when he comes, he'll tell you these things. So Jesus went and the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 after the cross. Now the Holy Spirit, now they received the Holy Spirit. Now they can receive the things that he wanted to say to them. But that they could not hear at that time. 
And they still couldn't catch it. And then Paul had to come. And then he had to catch it. And the Holy Spirit taught him. And that's why he would speak of in me, in him, in whom, in Christ. There's the message of Christ in you. But we must still come, to, I must still speak about it, about Christ, you in Christ. He says, in whom we have redemption. In whom we have all things. In him we have forgiveness. He says, in him you have every promise. In him, in him we speak. In him we move and have our being. In him, in him is life. Do you understand? So there's some stuff that Paul is now saying that, that Paul now broke open for us to understand because they could not receive it before the cross. So now, he's, now, now he comes and, he, and now he says, after the cross, I will teach you plainly about the Father. You almost met me. Verse 26, at that day you shall ask in my name and I say not that I will pray the Father for you. This is a, okay, the King James said, I'll just begin with look. But, um, what is he saying? Listen, look what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I won't ask the Father for you. He said, you will ask the Father in my name. But I won't ask for you. Come on, man. He wants to bring you in direct relationship with the Father. He says you go directly to the Father. Do you see that? He says in that day, you will ask the Father in my name and I won't ask for you. But you will ask yourself. Go straight to the Father and ask Him. Go straight to the Father and ask. Let's go on here. Verse 27. For the Father himself loved you because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and I am coming to the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. So again you see this whole thing that God wants to bring you in a relationship with the Father. Let's go to Colossians Chapter 1 verse 12. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Now I want to show you. Paul was praying to the Father. Watch what he says here verse 12. I giving thanks unto the Father. Was Paul praying to the Father? Yes. He said, I'm giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I'm going to show you. I want to give you the scriptures. Chapter 1 verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1. That the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Who is he asking to give unto you the spirit of wisdom? The Father of glory. Okay, um, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God 
and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's giving thanks unto the Father. Uh, Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17. That's after Galatians. He says, And whatsoever you do in the word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Giving thanks to the Father. Anyway, if I'm giving thanks to the Father, I'm saying, Father, thank you. Who am I praying to? I'm praying to the Father. As if you can say, well, what was he doing? He must go and go to that person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, again, they highlights this thing of going to the Father. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. The reason I have to give scriptures is because um, this is a challenging thing. You understand? Um, most people pray to Jesus. So I must show the scriptures. Okay? I must show you the scriptures. So, because I'm beklamuni waharini. First Peter, I'm going to give you all the scriptures. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 17. Now watch here. Verse 16. Because it is written, be holy, I am for I am holy. And if you call on the Father. What was Peter? Peter also called on the Father. Asiopi Father. Rup. Revelations chapter 1 verse 6. Revelations chapter 1 verse 6. Jesus has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. He's made us kings and priests unto our Father. You see, so, so what Jesus said, go pray to the Father, the apostles did. Paul did, Peter did, the other guys did, James, those guys, they prayed to the Father. You see, I have to, I have to say it like that because, as I say, as a, as a different, First uh, John chapter 1 verse 3. 1 John chapter 1 verse 3. That which you have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, fellowship with the Father. Relationship with the Father. First, uh, first. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18. And I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Quoting from an Old Testament scripture, God says, there's coming a time where I will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters. Jesus died so that we may have a relationship with the Father. But you are not going to want to have a relationship with the Father if you are asking Moses to teach you. Moses will tell you, Moses will teach you how to say, 
pastoor, praat jy met God nie, ons wil nie van hom hoor, want hy is de, hy maak my bang, that's what the people said, Moses, you speak to God, Moses was supposed to bring them to God, highlighting that Jesus wants to bring you to God, You're, you're all with me. You're all with me. This is, this is why we got to understand, this is why we got, we're being introduced to the Father. And I don't want to introduce you to a Father that you want to run away from. You've got to know the Father loves you. The Father takes care of you. The Father takes responsibility for you. Also, because that is how you are going to become a son. Because as you allow God to father you, he will break the mind of an orphan. That orphan mentality will crash. It will crash, but you've got to allow God to father you. And this is why, I'll end over this, and this is why, this is why, me personally, I'm having a challenge in when I want to pray for things, especially when it comes for needs and things. Uh, the drug. For a because if I look at the Son, Jesus Christ, I say, I say, okay, here comes someone who's sick. How do we pray? If Armando comes to me and says, JP, I'm sick, pray for me. How am I going to pray? This is the way I would pray. You know, and that I still have to get out of my system. I would say, Father, I pray right now for Armando. I pray, Father, that you would heal him. That you would restore him. That you would make him whole. Take away the pain, Father. But Jesus never prayed like that. If, if Armando was standing in front of Jesus, Jesus wouldn't even mention the Father. He would say, go. Go, be healed. Walk. Stand up. You see, he doesn't take needs to the Father. He stands as a son. He speaks as a son. The Father's voice is in the Son. Now you see, and what did Jesus say? Speak to your mountain. Now you speak to God about your mountain. You see, that's why I now I've got this clash. Now I've got this problem. Now I must go and I must start speaking to my mountain. I speak to that thing. I, I quote scriptures or I, I speak more to the mountain than I speak to God. You have a son. That's the challenge you have. You see, because now you're standing as a son. And I'm so used to praying like that, that if someone had to ask me to pray for me, I'd immediately go, Father, we, I just pray for this person. Yeah. And now, that was like automatic. Now I'm like, who oh no. Okay, what's your problem? This, okay, let's, come explain, come on. Come explain, come on. I, I practice, I, I, I practice my sonship. You, you see, 
You see how this thing of our Father changes the way we pray. Why? Because I know my Father's taking care of me. So let me speak to these things. As I believe, uh, you, uh, get this thing into you. Get this thing. Go over it. I say to you again, God has not failed you. God has not failed you. God has not failed you. I want to say it again. God has not failed you. You just don't know him as father. You've asked him for things. You didn't get it. He hasn't failed you. Amen. So let's pray. Our father. Our father. Hey, I always just say, Father, so our Father, we come to you, together to you, Father. And Father, we want to repent. We want to change our minds concerning who you are. We have thought that you have failed us. But today, Father, we want to recognize that you have not failed us at all. It is that we have failed, we have misunderstood who you are. We have thought that you didn't come through. But Father, you have never failed me yet. You have never let me down yet. I wavered in who you are. I doubted you. But I thank you that we, Father, will come to know you as Father. We will come to know and we, you will be our Father and we shall be your sons and daughters and we shall stand as sons and daughters. And I pray, Father, that we would even forgive our natural fathers. We would forgive them because they do not know what they are doing to us and what they have done to us. We forgive. Come on, you need to right now start forgiving if if you have issues with your father, you saw all the issues, you need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to let go. You need to let go. You need to forgive that father that was too hard, that was never there, that isn't coming through for you, that you think is a piece of trash. You need to acknowledge today he had a bad father. Your father had a bad father. But father, I pray for us here. I pray that we would really come to know you as father. Please. Father, I pray for the spirit of the father. The Holy Spirit to come and teach us, reveal, speak plainly to us. Cause us to know you, who you are, your heart. In detail that we may that we may become sons. Amen. Amen.